0: Everybody, welcome back to Crime Weekly. I'm Stephanie Harlow,
1: and I'm Derek Lavasser.
0: So today we are finishing our Delphi series. This is part three. This will be the final part. Uh, we're going to go into a couple of suspects, not too many. I kind of picked the suspects that that I thought had the, I guess, the biggest chance of being the Delphi killer, or the ones who were spoken about the most, or who just kept coming up in this case. Uh, the one person I probably won't talk about is James Chadwell, simply because he's the newest suspect. I did an entire video on him on YouTube. I don't think that he is the, the killer here. And, you know, we did talk to Kelsey as well, and she doesn't believe that he is either. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that went on around him and a lot of things I can understand why people might think he was involved, including where he lived, the crime that he was charged with just this past year. Uh, but I will tell you guys to go over and watch the video on YouTube if you want to know more about him, because I just don't want to reiterate it all here, especially for those who already kind of saw that video, but if you want to check it out, we will link it in the description.
1: Yeah. And also I think some people, you know, there's a lot around it that would say, suggest maybe this guy was the guy, but I also think a lot of people are putting his photo up against the first sketch. Right. The first sketch that came out <laughs> yeah. and the reality, which we've covered extensively and even Kelsey's spoken about it. Other people have spoken about it. That that photo, as much as it's in, you know kind of ingrained in our minds, it's a nothing burger now. They're saying that it was basically done off the original video and the newest sketch, which we covered in last week's episode, is the sketch that you really should be focused on. And, and as we established, that could be anyone. So anyone. when you look at Chadwell and you look at that first sketch, you go, wow, he looks just like him. You're not wrong. It just it doesn't matter anymore. And that's in that aspect, because that that sketch has kind of been debunked by the police departments themselves.
0: I mean, I would kind of say that James Chadwell does resemble the second sketch, which we now know is actually the first sketch of the younger man. Right. He probably resembles both of them. But just like because what you said, that second sketch It could be any guy, honestly. Resembles a lot of people. Yeah, and James Chadwell's a little younger. Like, I I can't remember exactly how old he he is now, but yeah, around Delphi time, he would have probably been in like his 30s, like early 30s maybe. So it, it makes sense if he matched the second sketch, aka the first sketch, more. I just I don't think that it, it's him, unfortunately, and I think if if he's been arrested now for several months, I, I feel like we would have heard something by now.
1: yeah, and I think i I like where we're going with it tonight, where you're going to cover a few of the suspects, but th- at the end of the day, it, it does appear that the person who did this hasn't been apprehended yet or isn't maybe is at least not known to the public, and so to spend two hours talking about potential suspects when in reality everyone in that area is a suspect. It's kind of, I think it's not really productive to what we want to accomplish, which is something new, something that could help law enforcement down the road. And I do like the idea of covering a few suspects that everyone really knows because they want to hear our opinions on it. But then ending this episode with our own theories on this case, because as we've read in the comments, a lot of people want to hear what we personally think. I know you've researched this case extensively, I've spent a lot of hours researching it over the last two weeks. And, and in fact, I was telling you earlier, I was on it for about six hours just last night because I was buttoning up a few loose ends questions that I had. So I'm looking forward to that aspect of it because maybe right, maybe wrong, but I think it's important to put our, I you know, our opinions out there and maybe it strikes a chord with someone who knows, maybe it's already been discussed in other podcasts on the YouTube videos, but we want to put our, like I said, our stamp on it and and give our opinions on it cuz we know there's many of you that want to hear it.
0: And honestly, these four suspects that we're going to talk about right now, aside from Delphi, they are interesting true crime cases in their own right. I mean, some of the situations that these four people are involved with are just crazy. Um the the things that they've done, the, the way they were apprehended, the things they were doing when they were apprehended which even led to them being connected to Delphi in the first place, like it's just insane and I think that people need to know about these four gentlemen on their own, even if, you know, we can say probably maybe not the Delphi killer, but still a really bad person who who needs to be recognized for the bad things that they did.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you talk to someone, I don't know if we're going to say his name or not. You talk to someone that you're close with. Can we say his name or no? Yeah. Yeah. Gray Hughes. And mm-hmm. I know I, I when I was doing my research, his name is just going to pop up and he's got some some theories and stuff. And I, I didn't get the chance to dive into him, his stuff extensively. But this is a shocker for me, Stephanie. I was like, I was patrolling around Reddit. I yeah. was on Reddit.
0: <laughs> I know you get there. I don't know how, the, but you get there.
1: <laughs> I honestly was like, look at me. I'm a Reddit person right now, and I was like into it. You Can't it. Like,
0: stop either, can you?
1: <laughs> honestly, I was really impressed by some of these it's individuals. Impressive. I know their theories. Their theories. I, I was like, I was like, wow, I didn't think of that. Let me write that one down. So, uh, and I, I have you know this negative. Perception of Reddit in a lot a of lot ways of because do. I've yeah. been talked a lot of sh- you know a lot of shit about me has been said on Reddit that's not true and a lot of other people <laughs> you everybody we've talked about this it's like <laughs> Reddit can be a really terrible place but I think when it's used like this for a form of group think to talk about these cases and bounce around ideas and it's kind of it's formatted in a way where people can follow certain things like if you had a question about the car there's a subreddit I'm like wow this is very well done I I was thoroughly impressed so if there's any Reddit users out there were part of this group that's specifically focusing on this case, job well done. Because although there's a lot of speculation, I thought it was very respectful for the most part and very thoughtful as far as not just putting any theory you have out there. There was always some type of basis for their thoughts, which I may disagree with some of them, but they came from a place that you could tell they did their research. So yeah, read it shout out
0: yeah people always talk shit about reddit and like i get i know why but i tell you some of these people on there they are very well educated on how the investigatory process works they know every little detail i mean they track it down they do their own homework it's a very impressive mad respect out there to the reddit detectives who are like doing it every day we really appreciate you guys no disrespect from us at all and uh, maybe if you're interested we can go live or something with Gray and kind of go over like his theories and do a Crime Weekly live and kind of talk about the things that he knows is he's been on this case since the beginning. He's close to the family. He's had interviews with them. Um, He does a completely different sort of format than than we do. But I think that there's a lot of value there. And if you guys want, we can bring him on and we can kind of go over the things that that he knows. So let us know if you want to do that. But we're going to dive right in. And the first person I'm going to talk about is 55-year-old Paul Etter. So Paul Eder came on law enforcement's radar on June 22nd, 2019. So a 26-year-old woman pulled into Paul Eder's driveway after getting a flat tire. And Paul went outside his house and he asked her if she needed help. But she felt right away instinctually that he was creepy and that she wasn't safe with him. So she said no. And she pulled out of his driveway with her flat tire he then jumped into his car i guess and followed her to the driveway of a friend's house and he abducted her out of this driveway and drove her back to his family's house in tippecanoe county he then sexually assaulted her and then drove her back to her car so he's a, a douchebag and he's incredibly bold, which I think a lot of people felt this was something like Delphi because Delphi happened broad daylight. Delphi happened in a public area. You know, there was all these sorts of people around. It was very bold, um, just very obvious. And on June 27th, a Lebanon police officer noticed a truck that had been reported stolen from Tippecanoe County and Paul Etter was driving it. This turned into an over five-hour standoff between Etter and law enforcement, which only ended when Paul Edder took his own life. After his suicide, Carroll County law enforcement revealed that they'd already been looking into Etter due to a tip that had come in, and they requested his autopsy results and his DNA so they could either rule him out or officially make him a suspect. So from what I'm understanding, even before Paul kidnapped this woman out of her friend's driveway. Uh they they were kind of already looking into him because they'd gotten a tip about him.
1: Yeah, and you know, not to discredit this, but I'm sure they have tips on a lot of mm-hmm. individuals and this was probably one of the members on a very long list. The one thing that was interesting about it is, you know, some people say up oh, he knew he was caught at that point, didn't want to be didn't want to be taken into custody, so he took his own life. What I found interesting was that the Carroll County, you know, law enforcement agents wanted to uh get some of his DNA. Um, because again, I don't know what they have, but why would you want DNA if you don't have anything to compare it to? So there's that question out there of, do they have DNA from this suspect? And if they do, how much do they have? Well, it's enough where they think down the road, whether science and technology has to catch up or whatever the case may be, there's something there. Or they wouldn't be asking for DNA from any suspect because- what are they going to compare it to if they don't have anything? So I think just a commonsensical assumption would be that they definitely have something.
0: Yeah. And the fact that where he lived, Tippecanoe County, it's just about 30 minutes away from Delphi, his close location, the fact that he was so brazen, it kind of put him on their radar. But they said they already had him on their radar before this even happened. So that's interesting to me. I wonder if it's true.
1: Listen, I mean, you had said, I think, last episode where it's like, even with the sketch, like they throw out a sketch that they know to be false. To kind of like mislead, it's a cat and mouse game, right? Like we do do it. There are times when we're in law enforcement, we'll put out misinformation, right? Because we might be closer than we want the person. We might already have identified the person. We're waiting for the judge to sign off on something, or we're waiting for something to come back from the the crime lab. We don't want this person fleeing the area, so we put out something deliberately to make them comfortable, so they stick around a little longer. So you never truly know. You always have to take what law enforcement is saying when it comes to these big publicized cases with some skepticism, not because they're mistrusting or however you feel about cops, but because they don't owe you anything. So they will use you and the media to further their investigation. They don't care. They'll come out later after they arrest the guy and say, sorry, we tricked you guys too, but it was for the sake of solving this case and everyone's going to forgive them. So you can't always take everything they're saying as, as it's a hundred percent fact, because again, It may be just something that they want a specific person to hear, and you may not know what that thing is.
0: Well, I would really like to pick your brain about the ongoing Summer Wells case out of Tennessee. If that keeps happening and she isn't found or there's not some sort of resolution within the next week or so, um, I really would like to get your perspective because the TBI is saying things that are incredibly contradictory to what the family's saying, and you kind of wonder what's the truth. So I would like to know from a law enforcement perspective why you think the TBI is doing what they're doing. So if you guys would like us to cover the Summer Wells case. I know I just did it on YouTube, but it came up today. But I really wish that I had had been talking to Derek when I was doing it because I really want to know what the TBI is doing and if this is a tactic that they're using to make somebody feel comfortable I don't know. But let us know in the comments section or on social media if you want us to cover Summer Wells. If this keeps going, we don't have some sort of resolution soon.
1: Absolutely. I'm game. I'm game. Anytime we think we can help, I'm I'm in.
0: So the Carroll County Sheriff Toe Lesenby told the public that Paul Etter was being looked into and pursued, just like all the other potential suspects they were aware of. But he urged people to not get too excited, saying, quote, I would caution folks on not getting ramped up on just one certain individual because of his recent attention and because of what he's done, end quote. There really isn't much to tie Paul Eder to what happened to Abby and Libby. Tippecanoe County, like I said, it's about 30 minutes from Highbridge, so he lived in the general area, but he doesn't resemble really either of the sketches, even though a lot of people think he resembles that first sketch, which we have found out now is the second sketch and not even the suspect. A lot of people think he looks like that dude. The sheriff of Tippecanoe County revealed that Paul had told him that he'd done some bad things in his life and that he was a bad person, but I don't think any of us didn't already know that. Like, based on what he did, I guess we could just go ahead and, and agree that he's done some bad things and he's a super bad person, right? And and then there was also a child who lived across the street from Paul Etter. She commented that she did not feel good when Etter tried to have a conversation with her. She said it creeped her out and she was a little scared. But I mean like I said that could simply be because he he clearly was a creepy guy and a scary one too like she probably had a legitimate reason to feel fear but that doesn't mean that every young girl in a 30 to 40 mile radius who died was was his fault so it's kind of tough um, to put but, anything and on And we're that.
1: not saying we're not saying Paul's not capable of carrying out this murder we're just saying the the facts around it don't support that he was responsible for it big difference not saying so, everything that the you know this woman was saying, all true. We 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 have no reason not to believe her, right? And obviously, with the you know his past history, it's it's very. I think it's a it's it's a it's a fair assumption to say could he be capable of doing something like this? Absolutely. But there's a lot of people. It's scary to think there's a lot of people out there that are capable of conducting this type of you know carrying out this action that just physically weren't in that area. So although they're capable of it. You can't tie him to this direct one. And that's what we're attempting to do. We know there's a lot of bad guys out in the world who could carry something like this out. We're looking for the guy who did it.
0: And so like as a police officer, if you have a a potential suspect and he kills himself during this police standoff, what are you going to do to eliminate him? You're going to try to see where he was on that date, right? Like probably first and
1: foremost. Yeah. Try to see where he was on that date. Probably get a search warrant for his apartment. Um, If there's DNA, clearly we would get some DNA. I'm hoping there might be foot impressions at the crime scene. We could compare um, his closet of shoes to the footprints in that area. It would take a lot of work because a lot of people walk through there. We're going to talk about shoe impressions more later when we get into theories. But I would go through every single piece of evidence I have in relation to this case and compare it to him starting with like you said his whereabouts that's macro level like hey was he even in the state at the time let's start there okay he was in the state was he around this area at this time is there any account for where he was that day could it be possible for him to have been in that location then you go on more of a micro level dna shoe prints um go through his notepads his phone number everything you can photos he has you know Web search history. If you had a computer, you his name it, you phone, do it.
0: Right? I mean, they probably go through his so, cell phone, pull his GPS, yep. see where he was on Monday, yep. February 13th, probably see if there's any messages, text messages that mm-hmm. where he's saying, like, oh, I'm here in Delphi or, or something like that, you know, anything like that. And I feel like if they'd found anything, it kind of would have been told to us by now because he's dead, you know, he's dead. they're not worried about him running. Right.
1: (laughs) Yep. They would probably if they had definitive proof that he was, in fact, the killer, I think they would have came out with it by now. Um, And the fact that they haven't ruled him out, guys don't look too deep into that. They're not going to rule out every single suspect that they've looked into. Um, They're going to keep it vague for some of the reasons. One, again, they don't owe us an explanation. They might have ruled him out. But also they don't want. The guy who did this to watch any of this and think that they're running out of options or that there's, they don't want them to know anything about what they're doing with the case because there's a very high probability that this individual, if he has access to a computer or a television, is keeping up on this case to figure out where they are. Are they getting warmer, right? Are they searching areas where, you know, he was? The, he, only he knows what happened. So when he sees certain things on the news, don't think for a second he's not cross referencing it with what he actually did because. Clearly, his objective was to not only carry out this action, but get away with it. So, that's the stage he's in right now is did I do enough to avoid apprehension? And that's, you know, we're, that remains to be seen whether he did enough or not. So far, he has, but hopefully that doesn't remain the case.
0: All right. Next, we have 46 year old Charles Eldridge. Now, this dude, when you look at his picture against eri- the original Bridge Guy sketch, the one that we now know is nothing because it's not the suspect <laughs> he looks identical to this dude like i want you to look it up yep, on your computer yep. right now if you can do you see this
1: i saw him the name came up a bunch of times when uh when i was doing the research and he does and there's a few guys that look just like him i mean you know there's guy a few guys that look just is like that. insane
0: sketch. it's for crazy oh my
1: gosh yeah. so i
0: completely yeah, get it absolutely like i said we're not saying like oh you're so stupid because you think this person might have been bridge guy no I mean, he looks just like it. And then you go further into like, what's Charles Eldridge all about? Well, that also adds some fuel to the fire. He lived in Union City, Indiana, and he got arrested on January 8th, 2019, after having a sexual conversation with a person that he thought was a 13-year-old girl, but the person actually turned out to be a a man, an undercover detective posing as a 13-year-old girl. So, uh, Aldridge asked to meet up with this girl, who's not really a young girl, in Union City to exchange sexual acts, and then he showed up and he got arrested. So, people, obviously, they think his mugshot looks like Bridge Guy, and he had a reputation for being a weirdo who liked to hang out in the woods. He had a violent streak, and he had an obsession with guns. After he got arrested, the parents of his ex-wife said they've long seen a comparison between Eldridge and the sketch of the Delphi murderer, which it's hard not to. I mean, he it looks like that looks like that sketch was made of Eldridge. Donna Clack, who is his mother-in-law, his ex-wife's mother, she said, quote, when we saw that picture on the news, we said that looks like Andy. So I guess Andy was what everyone called Charles Eldridge. That was Charles his William. nickname. Yeah. So the Clacks have been asking themselves why their daughter married Eldridge to begin with, and then when they had been married, he apparently took their son, who was still a baby, and shut him in a room with the lights off and left him there for hours. There was another incident where Eldridge exposed himself to a group of his daughter's friends. Um, <laughs> this is actually really gross, so I'm going to quote Donna Clack so you don't think these are my words. But she said that her granddaughter had some friends over their apartment. And the daughter, Charles's daughter, she said, do you guys want to see something funny? And then she opened the door. And then on the other side of the door, Charles Eldridge was, <laughs> I guess, basically masturbating all over the floor. So I'm not sure if, if the daughter just kind of knew he was going to do this and she was just trying to, like, make fun of him, which is sad. If that's what's normal to you, that you know that this is happening enough that you're going to open it up and show your friends like, like a circus performance. Additionally, after his arrest, Eldridge told police that he had engaged in multiple sexual encounters with another child under the age of 13. Now, like I said, he looks like the first sketch, but not the second one. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not Which sure. Which is what, a problem. Yeah. That's Which a problem. is a problem,
1: right? Yeah. It's a problem because that's great. He looks like the first guy again. And I, I see a lot of people getting caught up on this. I, I hate to just be that Debbie Downer, but the first sketch does not matter anymore. It was a sketch made on the video. I'm I'm surprised there is as many people as there is that looks like the sketch, but there's a few guys. But that's the reality of it. And I, you know, I do have to blame law enforcement for this because they left it out there so long. It wasn't like it was a week or two. Years. And again, they don't owe me anything. They left it out there a couple years, and so people really dug down on that sketch and broke it down to its last little you know inch. Of what this per, who this person could be, and they went out there, and they rightfully so, they wanted to help. They wanted to help solve it, right? Because it wasn't solved, and so I think it's a hard, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to let go of that first sketch when when they spend so much time analyzing it,
0: and especially I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even realize that first sketch is not important now because when the right. second sketch got released, everyone was like, "What? There's a second? There's you know, there's a second sketch, and then there was a confusion, and then." Eventually, the police did clear it up and they said, you know, just so you know, the first sketch that you saw is not important anymore. The second sketch is actually what we're looking for. But you would have had to have really been following this case like every single article that came out in order to kind of get that clarification. And I think some people just didn't get it. And they still think that that first sketch and the second sketch are maybe two people who might be involved or You know, maybe just different versions, like what if bridge guy shaved and lost a couple of pounds and took his hat off? Maybe this is what he would look like. You know, a lot of people might not understand that the second sketch is actually the first sketch, because that was made just a couple of days after Abby and Libby were found dead.
1: Right. And, And again, I think there is also a group of people from what I was reading online that think, oh, maybe. He really is still part of it, but the police don't want him to get nervous, so they're pull- they're retracting that. And you know we shouldn't give up on that sketch because there's got to be something to it, right? And you know maybe they're right, maybe they're right, but right. there's definitely a, a a a large population of people who have not let go of that sketch at all. They're still holding on to it as if when we find out who did this, uh, this person's going to resemble that first sketch.
0: And can you really blame them for thinking that though? Like, that was the only sketch we had for years. So, yeah, you're going to think, oh, the police say it's nothing. But at the same time, if it was nothing, why would it have been at the forefront of this case for, you know, two years if it was really nothing? So, I completely get that they still think it might be valid. And you know what? It might actually still be. That's the thing. We don't know. But I'd like to think that the police are being honest with us in this, in this like exact situation because. Why would they want us to be chasing somebody that had nothing to do with the case? So hopefully they are being upfront with this.
1: Yeah, hope so. I I believe they are for what it's worth. Everyone out there, I believe we and we hit on this a little bit in the first episode. I believe they got the second sketch that was eventually released first, right? That was from an actual witness. That was someone who believes, you know, they saw this individual after the video was released, after the three frames of photos released in the video they believe they saw an individual matching this clothing description and got a good look at his face. So they took a sketch from that person and they didn't release it right away because maybe they were thinking, let's hold this back. We don't want to spook the suspect. Let's keep it internal. Let's try to find this guy. We're probably going to catch him right away. Somebody's got to know who he is. I mean, I think everyone probably felt we got video, we got audio, you know, it's a rural area. We're going to nail this guy. No problem. And so they wanted to keep it in house at first, well, two years go by and they don't, they don't have them yet. And they initially released this first sketch thinking, let's put that out there as a decoy. He's going to look at it and say, I look nothing like that. I'm golden. And he's going to stick around in Delphi and not take off to another part of the country or even out of the country. And so- Oh, so again, you agree after- with
0: my theory now, though, that that was just a decoy, that that was never who they were looking for.
1: I, did I disagree with you last episode? I mean, if I did, I, I think apologize. You said, you said like, oh,
0: maybe, you know, maybe. I, I think you didn't want- because that's that's kind of shitty if you think about it. Like you didn't want to think that for two years they would have just been showing us a guy that had nothing to do with the case. Yeah,
1: and again, I don't know if uh well I do agree with you, yes. And I and I don't know if I don't know if they were like, listen, they don't know who did it. So there might be a small part of them that's like, hey, you know, we had some video expert look at this video and they broke down a sketch because that we believe the sketch is off this video, right? So they probably like, hey, it's a long shot, but let's throw it out there. Do I think that And I have nothing to you know prove this one way or the other. But do I think they knew a hundred percent the guy looked nothing like that and put it out there to intentionally mislead people? I wouldn't go to that extent because, again, when we think about the second sketch, that's based off a witness's perspective. And as from experience, I can tell you, it's not always accurate. And it's not because the person didn't try. It also is a contingent on the the sketch artist as well. So they probably are looking at it like, hey, two two sketches are better than one. Let's throw out the first one, which is just off the video. Let's hold back the second one, and if it doesn't lead anywhere, then we'll release the second one because we need help. And I think that's what happened. But I don't know. it's a great as far as you're saying, like, hey, they threw it out there as an intentional to throw people off one hundred percent possible
0: because they thought he was local, and they really did from from the beginning, they thought that this guy was local. Now, I do want to mention something that Becky Patty recently said. I believe it was in the Down the Hill podcast, she said "Um, maybe he wasn't local. They have been advertising the bridge like leading up to when Abby and Libby were were murdered. They had been like trying to do like tourism and like advertising the bridge as a cool place. So maybe that drew somebody from out of town. And that's honestly like the first time I've really heard somebody close to the case kind of go against the grain of the original narrative that it's someone local that it must be someone from delphi or the surrounding areas because she's she's thinking now at this point maybe it was just somebody who came there for the bridge i don't know what do you think about that
1: i definitely think it's possible and i think as more time passes it becomes even more of a possibility right because you have to start asking yourself for the small community who everyone knows everyone and you have this video and audio And yet no one has put forward a person that we know of that appears to be the guy. It's really interesting. And I think as time progresses, you always have to expand your scope. And I know we have more guys to talk about. We have theories. But before we get into that, let's take a quick break. All right, so we're back from break. And and as we were just talking about before the break, you don't want to get tunnel vision. So, you know, initially understandably. So I'm sure the general consensus was that this individual was someone local. This is a a tour as Kelsey told us, it's a tourist area, but it's more something that's frequented by people who are familiar with the area. Um, me being from Boston, you know, I've been to Indiana a few times, but I didn't know about Delphi, you know? So it's something that I definitely didn't know about high bridge, you know? So it's one of those things that unless you've been through there, I would even say if you were like a trucker or something, because High Bridge is so far off the beaten path, you got to go a ways down the trail. And we're going to hit on that a lot later in this episode, was really diving into the maps. And it it gave me a lot better perspective on where this is located in relation to the road, in relation to the parking lot. You really got to know where that is to know about it. And so I have no issue with them saying, this has got to be a local guy who was familiar with the area, who planned his escape route, who- knew the type of people that went there, knew it was a lot of kids. Um, But again, we're sitting here today and yet we don't have someone in custody for it. Doesn't mean they don't have some crosshairs on some people, but nobody's been arrested yet. And so I'm sure the scope has expanded for them. And I'm sure in the family's minds as well, they're thinking to themselves, man, I was certain this was a local person, but now I'm not so sure.
0: Well, let's go back to Eldridge, too, because the way he's described, they described him as a short and stocky G.I. Joe wannabe who had a violent temper, but he was too damn lazy to work. And Charles Eldridge seems to have had two different social media accounts. So where the first guy we talked about, Edder, there wasn't a lot to connect him to Abby and Libby. Charles Eldridge had these social media accounts and he used to post like hundreds of stories like story after story every day about murder, sex crimes against children, missing children. And he posted several times about Abby and Libby's case. He shared the recording of Bridge Guy, along with a photo of Bridge Guy. So when you when you look at it this way, and this is interesting, I want to get your take on it. You've got somebody here who clearly has an affinity for underage girls. Um, he's He's admitted that he's had sexual interactions with a young girl. He got caught by an undercover detective trying to hook up with a young girl. But he's also on social media like sharing stories and trying to help, quotation marks, I'm making air quotes, trying to help get the story out there and share Bridge Guy's picture and stuff. When you look at something like that, does it kind of not fit together? Because normal people like you and I, we want to help, we want to share, we want people to say hey, do you recognize this guy's voice? Do you recognize this guy to see if it could possibly you know, lead to to this killer's capture? But do you think that Charles Aldridge wanted to see bridge guy caught? Or do you think that he just kind of got a kick out of these kinds of cases and like involving himself in them?
1: I don't want to be disrespectful to the people that get passionate about these cases, but I will tell you this. There's some weird people out there with a lot of time And I can't even get into the mind of why he would do it. But I can tell you that we have had numerous cases where it's always the same couple players who try to integrate themselves in the actual investigation. They'll literally show up on crime scene. They have the radios in their house or they have them on their iPhones now where we'll get a call out to go to a, you know, a breaking and entering or or a homicide and you show up and they're there before you. What are they doing there? literally I, I, uh, I got to be careful here, so there was a family I'll be nice there was a family that lived in the community where I worked, and they were very good people they had, their hearts were in the right place they were they literally put light bars on their cars, they wore shirts with like badges, and they felt like they were the community police um and and they were great they were really good people and and they're still there they might be listening to this <laughs> but they did overstep many times and i we all knew them personally so we would just tell them hey like get back behind the like they'd start like you'd show up at the crime scene there'd be yellow tape and then all of a sudden and they're at the outside the old hey, yeah Derek. hey if you need me i'll be guarding the perimeter they got the flashlight in their hand no no joke and i'm like yep you got it buddy you get it and then all of a sudden i'm looking down at like a placard and i see another flashlight hit the placard and i'm like i look up and he's standing next to me i'm like dude what are you what do you do? He goes, oh, yeah, that's around. I'm like, buddy, go back outside the tape. Oh, yep. Yep. I got you, buddy. I just if you need anything, I'll be right over here. You let me know. It's funny. So you're like walking. Harmless. You're
0: like walking up to the door and you're like, hey, guys. And then you like look around and they're like a couple steps forward and then you walk forward and then you look back and they're like even closer. They're just
1: inching right forward. there. There's was, was a, you know, a whole family. It's a whole family. Cousins, cute, aunts, uncles. And they had they have. Well, they were all great. There was a couple of them that like, you know, they'd be, you know, they would get hired for like bar details and stuff as a security company and stuff sometimes. And they would take things a little far. We had one guy who, um, started training his own dog and threw like a canine logo on his Jeep. Like, I'm like, no, you can't do that. You, you, you can't do that. You know, but again, they were harmless. If they are listening, they know their names. I'm not gonna say it. I have a good relationship with the, the dad and I think it's you guys are cool. I
0: think you guys are cool, but there's definitely like yeah. a Judd Apatow movie there. I like think <laughs> potential for
1: that. <laughs> no, they they were they were cool. And again, I, I appreciated the fact that they, they genuinely just wanted to help. They genuinely just wanted to help. But back to your, your question, there are people like that who do find gratification in getting themselves involved or making it seem like they know more than they do because then people want to talk to them. And then there's also the other sick side of it, where if there's, if they have their own personal sexual gratification with these types of cases, they're looking into them for that, for that reason, which just makes them sick individuals. And, you know, I had some other choice words for them, but there's also that element to it. So when you see people like that being involved with certain cases that involve children, you have to ask yourself as an investigator, are they doing this to help? Or are they doing this because at night they're looking at this when no one's around because it arouses them? And it's a question we have to ask and you can't rule anything out.
0: I kind of feel like it's the second option with him because it wasn't just Abby and Libby's case he was sharing. Right. So he wasn't just like obsessed with one case. It was all of these cases. So he would seem from the outside observer to kind of be just like me, you know, sharing on Twitter cases when this happens. But in reality, I think that there was a part of him where he was probably getting off on it in some way. And that's scary.
1: Yeah, it is, and there's definitely things you can do about it. Again, get we'll go a little nerdy here. Um, we were trained in basically going into former sex offenders or individuals that we felt might be uh on the cusp of becoming sex offenders, and we could go in there with a search warrant. We come in, knock, it, do a knock search warrant. We have this software where we're able to enter it into the computer. Um, it doesn't change a single um hash in the computer. So basically, as far as the computer, whatever it was before we touched it, it stays the exact same. We're able to take a digital screenshot of that computer, and then we can use software to identify certain things that we're looking for. Pornographic material, certain websites, pictures of children. And so within like an hour or two, if the guy's really good, they can come in there and identify if that individual has anything on their computer that's questionable. And that's been done a lot. And in some cases you do it, you don't find a single thing In others you do. Then you got to determine whether it's connected to the case you're working or not, or is this someone you just have to be aware of?
0: Yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of crazy. So you could just, yeah, you could just look for anything on their computers.
1: Yeah. So it's a backdoor into the, I don't want to give away too many, much of the stuff, but basically anyone who has a, you know, digital forensics, you, when you go into someone's computer The one thing you don't want to do is even change a single piece of it because then, as far as evidentiary value, now it's null and void. So you have to take a screenshot of it without you making one digital footprint, we'll call it, on that computer. Because once you do, now the argument could be made that you put whatever you found on there. So they want to get it beforehand, just like a physical piece of evidence. And then they can take that screenshot and you're able to show that in a court of law exactly what the computer was at this date and time before, you know. Anything was manipulated. So um, it's definitely something that is widely available out there. And anyone who's in digital forensics, I know we have a bunch of people from the forensics field that watch or listen to this. It's a pretty common practice and it's becoming more prevalent with uh, the increase in, in today's technology and our ability to not only enter someone's computer, but also identify certain material that may be changed or altered in order to try to hide it from law enforcement. That They they do do that a lot, especially individuals who take part in this type of activity frequently. They can manipulate the files and and change the names with a period or something so that it's hidden from most software. But now, obviously, law enforcement is coming back with newer software that detects those changes. It's a constant battle, right? Yeah.
0: It just feels like as law enforcement technology evolves, then the bad guys figure out how to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that now with surveillance footage and stuff because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of but, but to, that's hard because you're always like, oh, it's great. It's 2021. Everyone's got a ring camera. Everyone's got a surveillance camera mm-hmm. on their house. But you see now cases where people are getting around that, too.
1: Yep, absolutely. And again, there's also the privacy issue because you can't just go search in everyone's computer. There's got to be probable cause to get to get that search warrant, you know, to have it signed by a judge. And so I don't want everyone being scared out there. I will tell you this. I'm the scared. One I was doing, I'm
0: scared. <laughs> like, you know, what's on I, my I computer. Will- it's so bad.
1: <laughs> I will tell you. I will tell you that. Well, you're on a you're on a couple lists with the I stuff that you search. I'm sure. I'm definitely on. I'm lists, sure, man. You need. You know what you need. A VPN. You need IP vanish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I use a VPN. Don't you worry about that.
1: <laughs> um. But but yeah. No. It's one of those things where I'm sure this isn't the case. I'm sure there's people that are way smarter than me that can do it. But when we would do it, you had to physically be in possession of the computer. But I'm sure there's a way to. Get through this, you know, the the firewall or whatever, and access the computer. So we weren't we weren't at that level. I remember I went to a basic course at the state police, and we were doing it on. um, We had a sex offender registration list that you would have to go check on their addresses certain times of the year to make sure they didn't move. And part of their release, if they were a level three, was that we could have access to their computers at any time, and cell phones. That was part of their agreement to once they're on that list. As it should be, and so we. And we would go in there and we would do a periodic scan and those individuals know it's coming. So there's been multiple times where I've been in there and we scan the computer and they're thinking that we're not going to find it. And then sure enough, there's a secret folder with two or three hundred photos that they've taken from the Internet. Um, and then they're coming with us at that point.
0: Ew, A secret
1: yeah. folder. Oh, yeah. And they do. They do manipulate the folder. So it looks like it'll say like something as specific as pictures of my cats. Yeah. And they think, because when you're searching certain keywords, that won't hit, right? Because we're not going through every folder. Imagine me going through every folder on your computer. We're using algorithms to find certain folders. So they'll change it to like pictures of my grandchildren or my trip to New Hampshire. But then within that folder- New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, so so they try to just, they try to basically avoid detection through these like very minimal, and that's like a very minimal means of trying to avoid detection. There's a lot more advanced stuff, but- Um, we saw it all the time, saw it all the time.
0: Well, as far as Charles Eldridge goes, I mean, he's in. they have him, you know, he's arrested. Um, I feel like once again, if they could prove he was even in Delphi that day, anywhere near Delphi, he would be a bigger person of interest at this point. I don't believe he is because obviously, you know, he's behind bars. People are still looking for the the bridge guy. So it's not, I don't think it's him. Yeah.
1: I agree. No, I agree.
0: Now, we have Daniel Nations. He was one of the first suspects I can remember being talked about in this case. Uh, He was a big person of interest early on. Daniel Nations was arrested in 2017 in Colorado Springs while he and his wife were driving. They got pulled over. Uh, They happened to be driving a car that matched the description of one that was driven by a man who'd been threatening several hikers with a hatchet, like running to kill them. So when he was arrested, Daniel Nations did have a hatchet in his car but when he when he was asked if he'd threatened anyone with a hatchet he responded quote we're not that kind of people end quote so he wanted he wanted the police to know that he and his wife are not the kind of people that go around threatening hikers with hatchets yet he had a hatchet in his car now i do believe daniel nations did end up being hatchet guy and many people believed that he looked like the sketch of bridge guy that original sketch which we know now isn't actually the original sketch Um, He was also a registered sex offender with ties to Indiana. He'd been threatening people on a hiking trail. There was somebody who had gotten beat up on a hiking trail. And court records showed that Nations was in Indiana during February of 2017. He was living at the Royal Inn in Indianapolis on February 14th. Daniel's wife spoke to the Colorado Gazette, and she stated that her husband had snapped after they moved to Colorado following the death of his brother, And she said he developed a temper that caused her to be afraid of him. But she also said she knows for a fact he's never owned a jacket like the one that Bridge Guy was wearing. And at the time of the murders, she believes that Daniel was at a doctor's appointment with her. But in 2018, Delphi law enforcement said, quote, as you all know, we went out to Colorado and spent a little time with him and he is not a person we care a whole lot about at this time, end quote. There seems to be very little connection between Daniel Nations and Abby and Libby, but because he was one of the very first people who are kind of being looked at seriously by the police and the public, um, he was very, like, oh, he was harassed. I mean, he doesn't seem to be a good guy, so I'm not super sad about it, but he was definitely one of the people that took up a lot of airtime back in the day when this first happened. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about him?
1: I did not. I did not. But I can tell you from what you just read to me, you know, again, you asked me about that other case reading between the lines when P- when law enforcement puts out quotes. Well, it's what they're not saying. Mm-hmm. Um, what they are saying is they don't care a whole lot about him. So you could take that a couple of ways, but how I take it is we think he's a scumbag, but he's not our guy. So we don't care what happens to him either way, but we're not looking at him for this. Now, how they came to that conclusion, I'm sure there's something definitive where... They were able to go to the doctor's office where this, you know, where his wife allegedly said they were maybe obtain some video. You could you could basically prove that alibi or discredit that alibi in minutes. Go there. Do you have video cameras? Yes, we do. Look at the video cameras. Here she comes. Here he comes. Look at the timestamp. Doesn't look like him or show the camera and he's not there. Or you might have witnesses who were, you know, working that day, secretaries, doctors who could say, yeah, she was here with her husband. So. And I'm sure they wouldn't just go off that one thing because timestamps could be off, all these things. But that in conjunction with some other things, coupled with the conversations they had with him in Colorado, they feel confident that he is no longer their guy. Again, different departments do it different ways. It seems like this police department, their MO is to never definitively rule anyone out. And that may be a CYA, a cover your ass where they're like, hey, we don't think it's the guy, but we're never going to say no longer a suspect because just in case it is him we don't want to you know, put our foot in our mouths, but I mean, that just seems like say, the way they do things. It
0: looks like the ISP, the Indiana State Police, did say like we don't consider him a, a suspect. In 2018, he actually talked to the Colorado Gazette, Daniel Nations did, and he said, I'm not what they made me out to be. And it says uh, widespread speculation of his involvement in multiple killings sparked after his arrest in September for menacing locals with a hatchet in the same Mount Hermon area where a biker, um, a biker was murdered. So it doesn't look like Daniel Nations killed the biker or Abby and Libby, but the public did basically find him guilty of of both of these crimes. And the ISP said, "No, he's he's not a he's not a suspect for what happened in Delphi." So yeah. he still gets brought and that is something we should bit.
1: talk about. Yeah, and that's it. And maybe he's not the guy. And you know, you said it a couple of times. Like we're not saying these people are good people. No. And maybe some of this is warranted based on their past transgressions. But the scary side of it is, and I think, I, I, I apologize, I don't know his name, but like the individual who owns the property where Abby and Libby were found, he kind of looks like the first sketch. Yes. And he kind of sounds like it too. I remember seeing an interview on 2020. This poor bastard was also a suspect in a lot of people's <laughs> this eyes. Poor bastard. And all because he looked like a sketch. That wasn't him. And he seems well, that guy seems all. like a good well, guy I mean, who that,
0: doesn't have that's a f- not all they were found on his property. He looked like the sketch Found on his property. He sounded like the right. person he was from. He, Delta. he knew them. You know, he didn't know them, know them, but like they were all familiar with each other. So I, I get why people kind of took that that leap. But he was harassed. I get right? it. That's my yeah. point.
1: That's my point. Here's a guy who probably doesn't deserve it. Right. Yeah. Doesn't have a past like this. And that's the problem with putting out sketches because a lot of people will take it upon themselves to and you know serve justice if they feel like they're right and people as you probably know way better than me become very passionate about these cases to sometimes an unhealthy level and they can do things that not only are not you know not condoned by law enforcement but could actually end up hurting the case they're trying to solve. So there is a fine line there. I like people being out there, I like the community being involved, but it, you know, we're talking about all these different things like Reddit and what we're doing. It is, it is, it is our responsibility to be cautious. And it's just something I felt like bringing up because we do talk about a lot of people, but I think we do it in a way where we're putting out these suspects, but we're also giving both sides to it. Right. We're not, we're not trying to lead you guys down any path.
0: No. And and we shouldn't be trying to lead you guys down any path, especially one that would, you know, because we know you guys are like loyal and we know that you're passionate about these cases just as we are. So we don't want to be sitting here and saying like, oh, it was definitely this guy because we know that you guys are going to mobilize and you're going to go after them, which is is great because we're powerful together. But at the same time, we don't want to stick you on the wrong person.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Before we get into this next person, let's take another break.
0: All right, we're back. We have one more guy we're going to talk about. This guy is a freaking piece of work. So we're going to talk about 53-year-old Thomas Bruce. On November 21st, 2018, he was arrested in Imperial, Missouri after a two-day manhunt, and he was charged with 17 criminal counts, including first-degree murder, sodomy, and kidnapping. On November 19th, Bruce entered a St. Louis Catholic supply store and forced three female employees into the back room where he ordered them at gunpoint to take off their clothes and commit sexual acts. One of the women, a 53-year-old married mother named Jamie Schmidt, she refused to do what he asked. She said no, and he proceeded to shoot her in the head and then ordered the other two women to continue doing what he had asked. At the time of his arrest, Thomas Bruce was described as a heavyset Caucasian male standing at 5'9 and weighing 220 pounds. And if you remember, it was basically the exact description of bridge guy. When Bruce assaulted the three women, he was wearing a gray page boy style hat and a blue Carhartt jacket, which is pretty Mm -hmm. much exactly what Bridge Guy was wearing. Now, both these crimes, right, Delphi and this one in Missouri, they occurred brazenly in the middle of the day on a Monday just before a holiday. And since we know very little about what happened to Abby and Libby and we don't know if a weapon was used, we we both think that a weapon was used, whether it was a gun or a knife. Um, many people do theorize that Bridge Guy was able to get Abby and Libby to do what he wanted by threatening them with a gun, just like Thomas Bruce had done in his crimes. There's some facts that detract from the theory of Thomas Bruce being Bridge Guy. Uh, He was living in Missouri at the time of the murders in Delphi. That's like almost 300 miles away. His victims that we know of, because there could be others, they were adult women, uh, but he could have other victims. We don't know. Abby and Libby were obviously children, so it's not the same M.O., Bruce also wears glasses. It doesn't look as if Bridge Guy did. However, there are pictures of Bruce like on social media and stuff where he's not wearing glasses. So I don't know if he's just wearing glasses because it's a fashion accessory or if he has contacts or something. We're not quite sure. But when he was arrested, the police were able to recover the clothes that he was wearing at the time of his crimes. The cap and the jacket. Um, He had tried to get rid of his clothes after attacking the three women, but the police said he did it like really badly, obviously, because they were able to get the clothes. And that leads a lot of people to ask the question of, you know, why he wouldn't have made an attempt to do this after the Delphi murders. Like if it was the same guy, if it was Thomas Bruce and it was the same page boy cap and the same Carhartt jacket, why would he have not tried to get rid of those like he uh, his clothes like he did after the uh, Missouri crime. So I think it's a valid question. And if you notice all these suspects we talked about, they're all like older guys in their forties and yeah. their fifties. But that that sketch that now they're saying is more accurate and a, a more accurate representation of bridge guy. He looks to me to be much younger than than any of these suspects.
1: Yeah. I mean, they are saying that he could still be in like late thirties, early forties. aren't? Isn't that a lot of people what they're saying? I mean, I'm, I'm thirty seven. And, uh, as you've told me and many others, I don't, I, you know, as many people in the comments, everyone who's questioned, uh, whether I was a police officer or not, I don't look 37. I think that's fair to say, but I don't think I look 20 either. So I think if you did a sketch of me, you could say I'm in, you know, my, my late twenties when I'm almost 40. So it's one of those things where I'm not saying the sketch is inaccurate, but I'm just, I I'm, and I'm not telling you guys not to look at the sketch, but all I would suggest for anybody who's really involved in this, don't. So if you find someone that you think could be the person or you know of someone who could be the person and they don't necessarily look like the sketch don't let that deter you because there's a possibility the witness did not get a good we don't know how good of a look this person got at the bridge guy and secondly we don't know if the sketch artist you know their level of I'm assuming it's someone good I'm not discrediting them but again there's some human error there right and again they're going off the you know the memory of this person We don't know if it was a young individual, an older individual, if they saw a side profile, if they, we don't know any of those specifics Did they walk right up to this person and have a conversation with them. We don't know. Um, uh, one thing that does throw me off and I know we've talked about the sketch a lot. It does appear to me that bridge guy without a doubt is wearing a friggin' hat. Yeah. And this sketch does not have him wearing a hat. So my question is, how do we know what his hair looks like under the hat? If you saw him that day. And he's wearing the same outfit. Cause that's how, you know, you saw, you saw the video, you go, that's the guy that I saw. I walked right by him. Well, he was probably wearing similar clothes. Maybe he had taken off the hat. I don't think he would, but this person suddenly knows what their hair was like under the hat. And I think the hat itself, we can go so many ways with this right now. I know I'm getting off subject, but the hat looks like it covers his ears. It's like one of those like Russian style caps, but like it has a brim but it has like the flaps over the ear. I don't know what that's called. I apologize. But it's not like that iris scully that you see in the um, in the uh, original sketch. It's more of something that has like the dog ears on it, in my opinion. Um, really? You so saw again, like the, th-
0: the, the, the ear flaps? Hold on. Yeah, that's what I see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's I have what I one see. of those
0: hats. They're they're real big with uh, with Eastern European men. They love them.
1: So so I, that's what I see. So again, this sketch throws me off not only because of the face, but it's a sketch without his hat. If they throw a hat on that sketch, I bet a lot more people would be like, that's our guy. You know what I mean? I think the hat throws everyone off. It throws me off. I'll be honest. It just throws me off. I'm like, that looks like a completely different person than the person that I see in that video.
0: But listen, check this out. Okay. So what if the person, the witness saw bridge guy after the murder? So he commits the murder. He's got all these clothes on to like hide. He commits the murder and then he takes off the cap and he takes off the coat. Because I swear he's got layers underneath it. And and then that's when they see him afterwards. So that's the description that they give.
1: So how do they know that it's him if he's in a completely different outfit? How do they make the comparison? Well, they may not not
0: know it's him, but if you look at it, they interviewed everybody who was at the Monon High Bridge that day. So you're Mm going to account for all the people that are seen. And then you're also going to cross-reference. So if Linda was at the bridge, Linda saw Jody and Mike and Steve and so then you go to Jody and Mike and Steve and you're like who juicy and they're like we saw this and then you start cross referencing right. till till right. you have one person that's unaccounted for that you cannot... and this one person mm-hmm. that's unaccounted for may not be wearing that hat and everything but he's still unaccounted for he was still there at that park and nobody knows who he is and nobody can find him so that's where you start thinking this is the person who's responsible.
1: So I want to talk about all this. I want to go back to our last suspect before we do, because there's a lot to cover there. The one counterpoint I'll say is you would expect that if he if he got rid of his clothes, you would have found them because they canvassed that area. I'm I'm hoping like crazy, and they would have found evidence that he he took off some clothes and just you know left them somewhere, his hat or his jacket somewhere. Which then i I would completely agree, but they never found it. Maybe they just didn't find it. But if he had if he had discarded his clothes, you would think that with the searches that were conducted, there would have been some evidence of that. But I do have a theory that would explain why. But we'll get into that after this person. Is there anything else we wanted to cover with this individual? Again, not a good person, but you make a great point. You know, why wouldn't he have gotten rid of his clothes from this? Is four years later, right? Why? and not only that, are we are, are we to assume these are the same clothes he wore for the first incident four years prior?
0: Yeah, that's how they kind of made it seem that would be pretty dumb. Yeah. Maybe those That'd are maybe those dumb. are his like his crime clothes. I don't know. You know, Dexter Jesus. has his clothes he wears when he's going out. Maybe that's what it is for this guy. I don't know. I don't think it's him. That's, absolutely not.
1: That's pretty dumb.
0: Yeah, I mean, but he got caught, right? He just walked into the store in the middle of the day on a Monday. And this is clearly like this is a crime that wasn't thought out either. Thomas Bruce. You know, what a stupid thing no, to do.
1: No, this person doesn't seem this seems like it was kind of more spur of the it moment. This is a lot more aggressive,
0: completely and, spur and of you, the moment.
1: You could argue that if this guy is our guy, right, if he wasn't in Missouri when this happened, this is our guy it could be an escalation, right? This could be a form of escalation yeah. where he's now become more aggressive, completely explainable. I think the biggest issue here is the fact that according to police, he was not in That immediate area at the time when this occurred. And therefore, you know, it's physically impossible for him to have conducted this. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's really what it comes down to. Bad guy, just not our guy.
0: And I think some people, when they're trying to find bridge guy, they're going through all these bad guys and they're like, oh, this guy's a bad guy. This guy's a bad guy. There's so many of them out there, you know, and if you're not in this space and looking up these people every day, you sometimes forget that there's so many bad guys out there. So when you see a bad guy who matches the description and kind of has the same M.O., you're gonna say, "Oh, this must be Bridge Guy because it matches the description and they have the same MO." But you're not taking into account that there's so many of these crazy, like, murderers and just people who have no—they um, have no respect for life or, or others' lives. There are so many of them out there, and they're all just hiding, waiting to come out of the woodwork. So just because one bad guy, you know, has like one of those hats on, it doesn't mean he's the bad guy. Unfortunately, that would make everybody's life a lot easier if they all just look the same and. We could kind of point them out easily,
1: yeah, absolutely and and i and we're not discouraging any of you from you know if you see something that may be helpful to the case. We always advise you if you think you have something or a person that might possibly be connected, call the police because never assume they already know because you're they might have a puzzle going. And they're missing just one small piece. And you may think what you know is minor, but that could be the thing that breaks the case wide open. And you won't know that probably ever. But again, I can tell you that if you don't call in or you don't email in, it definitely isn't going to help. It's going to stay in your head. So, you know, for anybody out there, we're not trying to discourage anyone. Keep the names coming. I know they have a lot of people working it. But again, let's just be honest at this point, it's not solved. So they're still missing something. And maybe you're the person who has that information. And
0: I think the best way to kind of figure out if if you have a person in mind who could do this is not to look at the sketch or look at what they look like, because I think Bridge Guy went to great lengths to to hide what he really looked like. I don't think he went out there, you know, as himself. I think he definitely tried to disguise himself. So what I would say to do is, you know, look back at February 13th, February 14th. Is this person that, you know. Were they not at work that day or did they, you know, come home late or did they seem to follow the, the Delphi footage very closely when you've never known them to be into true crime cases before? Like, that's a really big indicator. Do they try to bring up Abby and Libby in conversation when, once again, you've never known them to be into true crime like that before? Did they start acting different? Were they, you know, kind of um, overly sensitive or like a, like the FBI profile said, did they start drinking a lot or start doing drugs or something like that? Like any personality change, behavior change, and just like their absence on February 13th or February 14th, if you were their employer, if you were their girlfriend, if you were their parents, like did the person that you know and you're close to that you think could possibly do this, were they exhibiting weird behavior in those days or were they like MIA on February 13th, 2017? That's probably the best indicator of whether or not that person had something to do with what happened to Abby and Libby. I don't think the sketch is really ever going to get us anywhere.
1: No. And and that might be our downfall right now, right? Is if that people are focusing too much on the sketch? I'm not saying law enforcement. Yep. Yep. It's something we can see. Really focus on that video. Really focus on that audio. We played it for you last week. Um, Really focus on those things because they're open to interpretation, but your interpretation, you know, the, the, the sketch itself has been kind of spoon fed to you. We don't know the circumstances in which that sketch was obtained. I'm not discrediting it. I'm just putting out a reality, which it may, if they came out and said, no, bridge guy was still wearing the clothes. This person had an immediate conversation with them. They spoke to them for 10 minutes about the weather. That's a pretty good, That's a pretty good witness. Mm-hmm. We don't know how minimal this interaction was, which obviously would give a lot more credence to the sketch if it was more, you know, interactive or it could have been from a distance. We don't, we just don't know. Um, there was a couple things I wanted to go over with you before we go into theories, just things that as I was researching, I saw different subreddits on these specific things. One thing we kind of already hit on, um, we can kind of sum that up. We kind of hit the hat pretty hard, right? We, you know, the hat, you just looked at the photo again. I looked at that video and photo a hundred thousand times now at the scene. It feels like I, some people say there's no hat. I don't see how you say there's no hat. You can clearly see a dent in the top of his head that to me is definitively a a hat.
0: Wait, people say there's that's no hat. That's kind of above.
1: There's a couple of people who are like, is he wearing a hat or is that his hair? And to me, again, to me, it's definitely a hat. No, it's
0: definitely a hat.
1: It's definitely a hat. I did think from again, this is probably because my mind was focused on the original it could sketch. Be a hood. The it orig- could be
0: like a. It kind of looked like maybe it could be like one of those saying. camo hoods. You know what I mean?
1: That's that's what some people are saying. Some people are saying, is it a hood? Is it a hat? Is it the front of his hair with? It? All good questions. To me. It definitely, and again, it could be, be the hood, but it looks like a hat to me. It looks like a hat, and it looks like, like I said, the one with the dog ears with like a brim <laughs> yeah. on it. But, but again, that photo, that video that we're looking at originally it was a uh, three frames, and now they've released the actual video. You can go on the site and see the video, and it's you know the small piece that they have. It's you can tell, as we discussed, it's zoomed in, and it's from an iPhone, an older iPhone, and it we're going to dive into the video. I guess we could do it right now. In my opinion, I've changed my interpretation of the video a little bit. And it was funny because I felt this way before you even had a conversation with Gray, but going to the original video and not looking online and finding it from the immediate source, it seems to me like this video was something that was taken by Abby as they were walking down the bridge. And it was actually a video of Abby. I don't think this was a video again, I'm speculating here, guys, don't kill me. I think this was a video that Abby uh, Libby was taking of Abby at the last platform. So one thing that I took away from High bridge Monon Bridge is that which is scary by the way. I don't like heights, but there's like five or six platforms along this bridge yeah. where they're like you you can literally like step onto the platform and look over super scary, but I guess if you're someone who's not afraid of heights and have been there a lot, it wouldn't bother you. but There's so many things you can extrapolate from having those platforms because they're markers. There's trees, there's these platforms, there's certain identifiable marks that you can actually pinpoint where this person was at a particular time. And one thing that I've taken away from it is this person comes out of nowhere. So clearly they were walking faster than Libby and Abby. And it does appear based on the photo of Abby that Libby did take the still photo that we've all seen, which you really don't see him at all. And then in the next, what was a photo originally, but is now a video, it looks like it's Abby. It looks like it's Libby taking a video of Abby. And I had texted you and said, Could you ask Gray? Because in one of the frames, to me, it looks like what is Abby's jacket that you can kind of see in the video frame. And I'm like, That would make sense because this video is super zoomed out. If you look at the last photo we have of Abby, how far away it is that Libby took, and you consider that the video was probably the same size frame. Well, to zoom in that much on the guy who's 20, 30 feet away, they're they're using zoom and it also looks like they're using a stabilizer. And you had said that Gray made the comment that it appeared that based on some of the re- things they did, it was she was one to two feet off the ground when that video was taken. No, the phone, the phone was so one to two. Yeah, it
0: sounds like she would have had her phone. In her hand, but her hand down next to her side, casual, like, like not pointing it at someone, you know, because then you know that someone's recording you and you're pointing the phone. So it seemed because I think that he actually went to the bridge and he did like a, a recreation of it. So it looks like she would have had her, her phone in her hand, her hand down at her side. And then with the the camera lens pointing out. So that's why it kind of looks like this strange angle because it's not straight ahead. It would kind of be pointing. It's up. not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I did. I picked up the angle. It looks like they're using a stabilizer as the phone is moving around to keep it on him. Now, we can speculate. A lot of people have that Libby was taking that video of the man and making it look like it was Abby. I would even argue that it was actually a video. They were playing around. And at this point, he may have looked creepy to them or whatever, but I don't know if she was specifically taking the video of him because she also could have zoomed in on the camera if she really wanted to focus on him. But again, they could have
0: been recording we, each other, and then he walks up and says right. something, her hand falls to like look at him and be like, what, you know? And then she continues right. recording.
1: Right. But he definitely came up fast. You can see it from the platforms. It looks like from the video, they're at the last platform. Cause that's the only platform you really can't see from those photos. I think there's six. Don't hold me to it. I believe there's six platforms. Um, and you can see that this guy comes out of nowhere and it really, we're going to get into the theory in a couple of minutes. I think we're minutes. We're gonna take one more break, but before we get to that break, it definitely looks like he's wearing a hat. It definitely looks like he comes out of nowhere. And, and to, we talked a lot about the video angle and how it could be high, a trail cam I'm definitely retracting that comment after further review, it, even without Gray, I can see it, I can see it now, I see the full video in its entirety, it it definitely is from a lower level, and even that, it could, it could be, as Gray said, it could be only one to two feet off the ground if she was holding it by her side, so I retract that statement, um, it does appear that she was moving around a lot, and they used some technology to try to stabilize the footage to give you a shot of him, which is maybe why I got the... The impression originally that it was an upward angle because they're using some technology to zoom in on it. I don't know what it is, but you can clearly see it now. Um, but there was one more thing I wanted to talk to you but about. But You
0: definitely think that Abby was in the frame and they cut her out when they zoomed in. Right.
1: That's what I'm seeing. I saying to like to, I'm like seeing to the a, left. Right. That's what yeah. I'm seeing. And that's why I told you to ask Gray, because, you know, I didn't see a ton on it. And I'm, I don't think I'm identifying something that like is the smoking gun. But to me, it looks like this video is is a is a small portion of a much larger video. I think if we had the real video, the guy for those of you who can't see it, um would I'm pinching my fingers together like that's why he's so blurry guys. He's blurry because they had to use some high quality zoom technology which is isn't which is obviously limited by the pixels of the iPhone, but they're zooming in on him so much you're thinking to yourself, why is it so so many shadows? Why can't I make out whether it's a hat or a hood? I think he was a lot further off in the distance when that video was taken. And I think in the original video, what you would see is Abby walking on the bridge towards Libby. Um, One more thing I wanted to hit with you. Actually, we're right at that mark. I'm looking at the timer. Let's take one more break. And I got a question for you. All right, so we're back from break. Before break, I had a question I wanted to pose to you. And it's about the car, right? This unidentified car that everyone has spoken about. And there's not too many details about it. I wrote some notes here, a couple things that there was, there was an initial statement about the car. And then there was a clarification because they were kind of vague. They actually misspoke. They originally said it was a parked car that was abandoned later. And so people are like, oh, so you have the car. But in reality, what they meant to say was it was a parked car that was at the abandoned CPS building parking yes. lot, which is a big difference, <laughs> which is a big yes. difference, right?
0: Not the same. Because if not they the go, oh, we got the car, DNA. Yeah.
1: No, right. They got the car. They got the DNA. They got registration, can run a VIN. I mean, that's that's, that's a lot. This is a lot. They don't have the vehicle. Do you know what the vehicle looks like? They are, they are not saying from what I read. And if somebody else knows, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's so vague. They're just saying that the car was parked between the hours of noon and 5 p.m. on February 13th, 2017. The location of the abandoned CPS building was 6931 West 300 North in Delphi, Indiana. Um, the building has since been demolished and is now just a, a vacant lot. But this car, this car, we don't know all the facts. There's a reason why they're focusing on this car. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, there has been speculation on the color out there. Maybe you have more information on it. I know some people have speculated. Um, I don't know what's true and what isn't. but. There's something about this car that the police are definitely interested in. Why that is, we don't know. I have a theory as to why, which is part of my bigger theory I want to give at the end. But there's something about this car, because if you look on the map, and we'll throw the map up throughout this video, John, our editor, I'm sure is hearing this. Make sure we throw the map up. But this CPS building is pretty far off in the distance. It's a little bit ways away from the high bridge. It it really is. It's a good, it's a good troop. Uh, especially if you're walking. So for them to target this area and this specific vehicle, I don't know what's around there. There's a couple buildings around there. There's a market down that road. Did they get a video or a photo from someone there that would suggest the guy matching this clothing description walked that way? I don't know. But if the car was there between 12 and five, that would fit the time in which the, the crime occurred.
0: It's just so weird that they would say, hey, we want everybody, we want everybody to look out for this car, but they're not telling us any thing about the car it literally just says looking for the driver of a vehicle parked at the old cps dcs welfare building that was abandoned on the east side of cr 300 north next to the hosier heartland highway between noon and 5 p.m police did not give a description of the vehicle how are we supposed to find the driver of the vehicle when you're not telling us what the, the freaking vehicle looks like this is bananas like Oh, let me just walk outside. How many cars do I see? Let me call the the Delphi, Indiana police. It's kind of bananas, right? Like it almost feels once again, like just something thrown in there to detract because you're not giving anybody enough to do anything with nobody, unless you're like a psychic.
1: And you would think that anybody who would have been working in that area, I don't know if they were storing other public vehicles in that area. Sometimes you store tow trucks or snow plows or whatever in a certain area of the state. If this is abandoned property, I don't know if there would have been someone else who would have been there. Maybe they're thinking because the trails did go further that mm-hmm. way, you know, the opposite yeah. way where somebody could have walked down that way. Um, but I think they're they're kind of just throwing something, you know, darts at the wall and hoping something sticks because how, how don't they know? Do they not have a shot of this building from the camera the that they got? I don't or know.
0: The, I don't think that they have a picture of the car or saw it abandoned. I think that people just right. said we saw this car because I think even Kelsey said something like. That, that she had talked to people who'd, who'd seen a car just like parked there for several hours. So I think that probably what happened is yep. people said to the police, well, there was this car that was parked there for several hours and the police have no idea what the car looks like, just that there was a car there they have to have some idea. Like somebody had to have given them a color, but they're probably just like, well, yeah, this is all we have. So let's just throw it out hoping that Somebody yep. remember something and maybe can give us more information on the car, like a make, model and a color. Maybe that's what's happening. But
1: yeah, I will say this. The fact that no one's come forward because I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of cars parked there. Right. Mm, maybe there was. I don't, I don't know. So. Yeah. But I'm assuming if I had a vehicle that was parked there on that day, because I'm assuming everybody in the area knows what happened um, and they're probably watching the news. If any law enforcement agent came out and said, we're looking for a vehicle that was parked at that building between 12 and five. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's my car the first thing i'm doing is calling yes. so the fact that they haven't called the fact that they haven't announced the vehicle is no longer a vehicle of interest suggests that the person who was parked at that location has not come forward which can be can be interpreted as maybe it is someone that we want to speak to because why aren't haven't they came forward you know could be a nothing burger but that is i'm sure their mindset where it's like listen if it really was nothing and this was just a reasonable person who was parked there I'm sure they would not want their vehicle to be on a list like this and they would have came forward and explained who they were and why they were there for that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, the fact that nobody has said that's my, and we don't know, maybe somebody did say that's my car and this isn't even a, an issue anymore, right? We don't know.
1: They have been pretty vague. I would like to think that based on this report, you know, it was uh, it, it was in uh, 2019, April 23rd, 2019, you would think that they would want. They wouldn't want people going after this person if they were no longer, you know, someone of interest. This is what I will say about this. Okay. Let's take it at what it was. It was an abandoned CPS building. Abandoned as in not active. I don't even think the building- really no reason to be yeah, there. Yeah.
0: I thought the- uh...
1: It's demolished yeah. now. It, it's, de- it's demolished now, but it was there, it, but it was abandoned. So this was not an active building. If you look at the map, there's not much around there. There's really no reason to be parked there because there's another parking lot where, you, if you were going to go on the trails, you could be right in the middle. So I think part of it is there's really no reasonable explanation for someone to park that far away from the trails. And what time? And what also, time Kelsey, it just so happens. What time
0: did Kelsey drop them off?
1: It was around one thirty-five.
0: Right, so she drops them off at one thirty-five. Cars there from noon till That's right. five. Kelsey said when she dropped them off at 135, there were cars there, like there were some people there, but it wasn't that busy. Now, later, Becky Patty goes around like, you know, three to look for them. And she says at this point, it had filled up more people were there. There was cars parked on the side of the road in that makeshift parking lot, like across from the trailhead. So if somebody's showing up at noon, why wouldn't they park closer to the trailhead? because there wasn't that much there wasn't that many people there when Kelsey dropped the girls off there was way more people there when Becky Patty went a few hours later so if they parked in this abandoned CPS parking lot that's not super close to the trail cuz like you said they you got to walk a little bit to get to that trailhead from that parking lot right
1: That's right you definitely do you definitely so do So if they
0: were going to the trailhead why wouldn't they have just parked closer to the trailhead instead of in that parking lot so that's definitely suspicious if you're parking that far away at noon when there were more places to park closer to the trail.
1: 100%. And I think that's the rationale behind them wanting to learn more about this vehicle because there really is no reason for it to be there. And then again, you take into the consideration that the time timeframe in which it was there would allow this person to travel down to this location on foot, kind of scope out the area, find a point and angle to get a, an eye on everyone coming in and leaving, and then also time to do what they did and then what I'm going to get into in a few minutes, as far as theory, get back to that vehicle without being detected or without being seen by many people. And we'll get into that in a couple of seconds. Um, but I definitely want people to understand that on the surface, from what we know, the fact that the police are so interested in this vehicle, and then you take into the facts that we do know about it, which are limited, but with the facts we just laid out, it's definitely someone that I want to identify. I want to know who was in that vehicle. And they clearly believed there was a vehicle there. How they know that, we don't know, but they seem pretty confident about it. Because not only did they put out an original description, they went back and clarified to make sure people knew what they were looking for because clearly they felt that was important. But they
0: also didn't tell us about it until 2019. So, I mean, once again, this is two yeah. years after it happens. We don't hear about this car till 2019. At that point, if you're asking yeah. people, oh, do you guys remember cars? That were parked in this parking lot in 2017. No, no one remembers. It's two years, so even if you're from that area, you're not going to remember what kind of freaking cars you saw in the parking lot two years before. You're not going to have a like. I don't know why they did. I don't know why they did this. I don't know why they. Yeah,
1: and maybe it was something. It could have been something that came forward later. I don't don't think so. It seems
0: like they. I mean, they just held it back. You're going to be interviewing people who are at the park or around that bridge area. That day, like in Mm -hmm. that that day and then in the following days, they said they interviewed everybody who was on the trails and at Monon High Bridge. So that's when you're going to get people saying, well, we did see this car parked here. But then you don't tell Mm -hmm. anybody else about it until two years later when everyone's memory is kind of foggy. So I just don't know.
1: No, you're right. Should we dive into theories? Mm -hmm. Okay. So final theories. Again, just preface it. This is obviously speculation on our part, but it's based on everything that we've heard and researched on our own. And again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. This is ours. So without re-going over everything we've said, I want to pick up from the point where right before he, he encounters them, right? Because we've talked about the fact that he's obviously, in my opinion, if this is the vehicle that was parked at this abandoned building, it gives him time to come through the woods, to come up to that trailhead where the girls and everybody else who's normally parking there is getting dropped off. It allows him to see who's coming in and who's going out. So if Bridge guy is sitting there, when when Abby and Libby are dropped off, he already knows that he hasn't seen anybody else go down the trail towards Monon Bridge. He knows that because he's been sitting there probably since about one o'clock, maybe even earlier, because it's not that far of a walk from where the car would have been parked, if you're assuming that's his car. So he's been sitting there a while, maybe off in the distance seeing who's coming and going, and knowing that when these two girls get dropped up, dropped off by Kel- Kelsey, nobody else is with him, and that he's not going to encounter anyone coming back up the trail as he's walking down. So he allows them to get a little bit of a head start. They're walking down. He knows there's really nowhere for them to go, and the only way back out is going to be right back towards him. So he starts to gain on them, as most people have speculated. It's clear from the, vi- the videos and the photo. You know, in one picture, he's nowhere around. And then before you know it, he's right on him. And this is where now it gets grainy because we've, we've heard the video, we've heard the audio, we've seen the video and my opinion based on the last video that's taken, Abby is still clearly on the bridge if we're right in the fact that that is her jacket. And we talked about gun, knife, whatever. I personally think Abby might've even been standing still at that point for the video or maybe taking one step or whatever as Libby is, you know, now facing her taking this video. It might be something funny. I don't know. Maybe she's taking a video of the guy, but I would even suggest that she's just taking a video of a friend. They, they were doing multiple candid shots. Again, Libby had gone over this bridge many times. This was really an, a, big, a, a big deal for Abby. And so I think they were they were memorializing the occasion for her. I think that bridge guy catches up to Abby. Abby's back is probably still turned to bridge guy. I think he pulls out a knife and I'll get into why I think it's a knife over a gun, but now the knife is literally right on her back, physically on her back where she can see it, she can feel it. He directs her closer to Libby, right? Libby's still recording at this point because the last time she saw Bridge Guy, he was just walking, probably assuming he was going to walk right by her, but he doesn't. He stops at her and puts the knife to her back or to her stomach. And now Libby, not expecting this, the phone is still recording. So as he walks over to Libby while holding Abby at knife point, he says, guys, down the hill, guys, down the hill. And he, she can see the knife. She's scared. She's frozen. She sees her friends got a knife to her. Abby's upset. They go down the hill. At some point, the phone is discarded, right? He, I think he might see the phone. He might tell her ditch the phone because the phone is not found with them. So at some point, he notices that she has a phone in her hand. This would explain what we talked about last episode as far as the recording stopping. She had the phone in her hand at some point. You get the guys down the hill. I do feel that if they had more audio of this guy, there would be no reason not to release it. It would only help us identify him, that people help him. They've already released guys down the hill. I, I don't know if there's much more. And if there is, maybe it's something that they don't want people to hear out of respect for the family. That's the only reason I would say not to release it. Maybe you're hearing Abby and Libby upset, whatever the case may be. But I would think that if they had more audio of him... They would release it so that we would have a better idea of what he sounds like, what he speaks like, does he have an accent, et cetera, so they discard the phone, they start discarding some clothes, and again, guys, we're gonna have the map overlaying a lot of this what do you mean this was about a half clothes well, weren't there some like her shoes yeah, were but found who's like someone the clothes I'm gonna okay. get into it. I'm gonna get into it so there's there's some shoes taken off, and I have a reason why I think that might be, okay so if you look on the map, and guys, you guys are probably seeing this map if you're watching on YouTube. If not, you you might want to pull it up while you're listening to the podcast, but their bodies were not found immediately down the hill. If you haven't looked at this area, it was about a half a mile walk from, what did we say, Stephanie, the from entrance the entrance the of bridge, the bridge? Yeah. Right. It was still a far distance away, and it has been concluded, which I was not aware of, that they actually crossed over a portion of they Deer did, Creek yes. and, and went on the opposite yeah, side. Yeah, the shoes
0: were found. On one side and then they were found on the other side. Yeah,
1: correct. I think the shoes were taken off to cross the creek. I do. I think the shoes, I'm not saying reason, but for some reason, the shoes were taken off to cross the creek because they did get wet. There's no doubt about it. So why? Why did they, why did this individual have them cross the creek? Well, I have a couple theories on that. One, it separates them from anybody who does come up on the trail afterwards. They're further away. If someone were to walk down that way, they more than likely wouldn't cross the creek to where they were because they would get private property. It's private property. And also this is a stretch by me, but if they're kind of secluded, bridge guy would be able to hear someone coming through the water, splashing around. It would give him an alert that someone may be coming again. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but this is why I think he would risk getting wet and maybe looking not normal to someone as he's walking back, right? Because he's now he's, his pants are wet and his shoes are wet. But I have an explanation for that. Now, the next thing we're going to go into, I want to talk about, this is something that I'm going to give a disclaimer on, okay? Because one, they're not great. They don't sound great at all. So if you if you don't want to hear about this, this is about potentially how Abby and Libby were killed. And the reason I'm reading it is because it goes in line with the theory that I have as far as how they got there. I do have to preface it by saying this is from a David Erskine, allegedly. Um, Some people have said he's like Abby's step-uncle. Some people have said he's a volunteer firefighter. And supposedly, he was one of the individuals that found Abby and Libby. Many of you who know this case already know about these text messages. They were screenshotted They appear to be between David Erskine and maybe a family member or somebody close to Abby and Libby's family. I don't know. We've never found it out. And there's a lot of dispute over whether these text messages are even real. So take them with a grain of salt because nobody has ever confirmed that they are in fact real. But I'm going to read them verbatim. And again, this is not for the light of heart. Um, So please, if you don't have the stomach for it, do not listen to this part. Fast forward like 45 seconds. Okay. So. The text message starts with, David, you told me you found the girls. I just want to confirm the second person with you was Ivan, and the third was a lady? He writes back, no, my sister's husband, and then we call two county deputies, Drew Yoder and Darren Jancola. The next text message is from David Erskine, and he says, coroner's report stated everything was over by 3.30, no rape. This is one of the big contentions for everybody who doesn't believe the text messages because as a volunteer firefighter or as a guy who found him, he would not have access to the coroner's report. It's completely sealed. I don't know if this is this would indicate they are fake or he was referring to something else or overheard something from someone and he's just relaying it as if he said it himself because he didn't say I read the report. He just said coroner's report stated everything was uh, over by three thirty. No rape. Uh, the person responds. But I was told the report was not released. Um, Becky Patty told me the families have not been told whether they were raped or not. He wrote back, sure. And, uh, he, and I'm reading exactly. He wrote new K N E W. Um, he wrote sure and knew what they were doing with Abby. It was personal with Libby person responds to um, David. Yes. I heard Libby had most of the injuries, but it could be that she was trying to defend Abby. She was bigger. David responds again, guys, Please. If you don't want to hear this, this is the time to tune out. uh Libby's head was an inch away from being taken completely off. Abby was stabbed in the heart, and the text message is kind of yeah, cut I off here, it. so uh, Abby was stabbed in the heart and it looks like artery of the neck. am I reading that
0: right it's It's really hard to see, but it looks like they say heart and neck
1: artery in her neck, okay, so let's stop there for a second and I'm gonna explain this would explain the theory that I have as far as going down there so He's walking with them. The, the knife is always close to Abby because that's who he first encountered. So as I said in the last episode, and we talked about this, I, I didn't understand why once one of the, pers- the girls were starting to be hurt, why the other one wouldn't run. Were they detained? Were they restrained? Were they unable to run? My best explanation would be that when they got to the point where he wanted them, he quickly stabbed Abby. Uh, fatal stabs because he realized he wasn't going to be able to control both of them. So, if he quickly stabs Abby in two locations, that would be fatal. She's no longer a threat, and now he can deal with Libby, and he can do what he wants to do a little slower because he only has one person to control. That's that's where I'm getting the theory that one, it was a knife because nobody in the area heard any gunshots, and two, you have these types of text messages, and again, it would allow him to be more lethal without being detected, which clearly this, this, this murder was premeditated. In my opinion, um, the text messages go on. Libby was nude. Libby's top half was covered with leaves and sticks. And almost like she, they were trying to cover her up. Um, it goes on to say, but you said there was no rape. Is there, uh, if there was a rape, there would be, there is no DNA. If there's no rape, there's no DNA. He wrote back. Correct. I don't know why she was nude." But I read the coroner's report. Okay, he does say I read the coroner's report here. The only only DNA would be from Libby's fingernails. She fought like hell, and again, that's what he says. And then I'm going to read the last part. But yes, but maybe the DNA they are referring to, uh, that may be the DNA they're referring to. Please, again, I'm struggling to read these because yeah, they're, they're, they're so off. they're like screen they're like screenshots of screenshots, screenshots
0: of like the phone, um, To like pictures right, exactly. of the phone.
1: And then they talked about, I don't got to read these other ones. They talked about, um, you know, I guess there was some photos circulating that might've been Libby and Abby. He's in this person said, do you believe this is th- real? And he said, no, that's not her nor Libby. Abby was placed there on the ground, like a doll, uh, hood, uh, up and hands folded, wearing the same clothes as in the pick. Again, I, I think you can explain this from the injuries. I think that she might've been walking. He makes a decision unbeknownst to them that this is the spot. He quickly stabs Abby, and when she falls, the hood goes up. I don't know. The hands may have naturally fell that way, but it would explain why one didn't get away. And we had that question where we were asking it last week, right?
0: Yeah, I'm reading some of these other messages. Did you see the one where it says... Um, Becky, Patty told me the families have not been told whether they were raped or not. And then David allegedly says she lied to you. But then the other person responds. Also, Abby survived until the next day. She tried to crawl away.
1: I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe so that. So do we believe any I don't believe of that. things, I mean, then. It, That's why I'm saying take it with a grain of salt. I personally think there's some truth to it. But I think what happens is, again, this could be a person who knew a portion of the story because they were there and now they feel like they're the authority on this case. And so they want to divulge information that where it's not really fact, they're speculating. But I, I did see that and I don't see how she would have, if she was stabbed in the heart and she was stabbed in, in the artery in the neck, it would be over very quickly. Um, but there's one more thing I want to get to, and then I want to hear your opinion on it. And obviously, if you disagree on any of it, when you look at the map, I tried to ask myself, other than being across the creek, other than... You know, being away from noise, not being heard if they scream or whatever, what would be the other reason for it? And for me, if this was premeditated, I would think that this individual, after killing these girls, knowing that this bridge is a popular area, would most likely not want to walk back up that bridge and back down that trail because there's a chance someone's going to see him. He's going to walk right by him face to face, and there's going to be multiple people who see him leave, maybe get in a car. If you're looking at the map, and anyone who's watching on YouTube, you can see this, but I'll try to explain it if you, if you don't. Where they were found is about a half a mile from the entrance. It's north of the Monon Bridge. If you look, a very small wooded area there, they, all you got to do is cross through that, and you can get out to Delphi Cemetery. It's right there, yeah. right on mm-hmm. 300. And so it's a short walk where you could walk out towards the cemetery, or you could stay in that wooded area all the way along Deer Creek on the opposite side of the trails. And yeah, it's a a bad walk. You're going through some thick stuff, but you could get out at some point without ever going back up those trails, which avoids you being detected by anybody else, which avoids anyone noticing that your pants are now wet and your sneakers are wet. And it allows you to escape and walk up 300 back to your car. That's not in the parking lot. And that's my theory on it. Again, just a theory But I think it would explain why we have such a lack of witnesses that saw this guy because he didn't want to be seen.
0: Well, he definitely didn't want to be seen. I mean, that's why I think he definitely disguised himself. It was way too warm that day to be wearing all those clothes and layers. And you know, whether or not he has a hat on or a hood, I keep looking at the picture and I'm like, sometimes it looks like a hood. He could even be wearing a hat with a hood pulled up over the hat. But he's clearly trying to disguise himself. And uh, so you think that he was waiting... To see who was getting dropped off, saw Libby and Abby and followed them up.
1: Oh, yeah. He was looking for victims of opportunity and not only victims of opportunity that he could overtake, but also in a situation where nobody else would witness the act. Right. Like if someone I hate to say this, but if someone had pulled into the parking lot right after Libby and Abby and were on that trail as well, they're probably still alive today. But he had been watching that trail. He was there before them. He knew that in the last half hour, nobody had walked down that trail. So nobody was coming back. They get out of the car. There's nobody behind them. He lets them get a little ways ahead. He sits in that parking lot or in a wooded area, sees that no one's coming behind them and then starts to kick it into high gear and walk at a fast pace to catch up to them before they get back across the bridge. Because then if they get back across the bridge, now they have options. That's my that's my takeaway. from That's why he was walking at such a fast pace in comparison to them. So do
0: you think this this was the only day he's done this? Or do you think he went there other days?
1: It's so funny you ask that. I I thought about this last night. And you know what? There's a real possibility that this could have been the first time and it just happened to work out for him. But there's also a real potential that he could have been doing this for weeks. Which is more likely. Not months. And, in your opinion. I don't know. I'm not a profiler. I'm not a profiler. And you know, I would like to think... That if he had been there multiple times and this was his like disguise, someone else from a previous occasion would have saw him sitting there or walking and said, I saw that guy two days ago. And maybe that did happen, but we don't know if it did. If it did, then, yeah, if somebody who gave a statement that the police have where they say, I saw that same guy two weeks prior, well, then we know he was casing the place for weeks. There's
0: a picture. um, There's a picture of a guy in Lafayette, which is close to Delphi. Um, He's at like a playground. He's sitting on a sitting on a bench he looks just like bridge guy and the picture was taken in april of 2017 so just a couple months after so and i mean i'm gonna find the picture i'm gonna send it to john so he can put it in here for for youtube but it looks very similar right so you have to wonder yeah does he just kind of maybe live in the area but when we say area it could be five six hours away from delphi and maybe on days off right so this was a monday it was a holiday Kids were off from school, maybe on weekends and school holidays and stuff. He goes and hangs out at these parks You know, he finds isolated places mm-hmm. that that he can kind of pick his victims and then go from there. And I think the truck driver angle is really one that doesn't get looked at enough. It's very possible that he he was somebody who drives far distances for work and it gives him the perfect hunting grounds because he's there and then he's gone the next day. Nobody knows him. Yeah. And I mean, I know law enforcement says that they believe that this person is local and for them to so vehemently kind of stay with that story, I feel like they have to have something that leads them to believe that, that we don't know. But it is also very possible that this person could just have been passing through.
1: It's possible. I think I think part of it is when you look at the map and guys, if, you, if you're watching the audio version I, uh, version, I strongly recommend you check out the YouTube video or, or Google it yourself. But there's a long trail before you get to the bridge, a long trail. There's no way to know that these girls are not only on that trail, but also alone on that trail, unless you're there, you would not drive by and say, Oh, the bridge is right next to the parking lot where they were dropped off. So you can see it from the parking lot. You cannot. So this guy definitely was in that area before them and knew for a fact that they were alone. I
0: wonder why he didn't take Libby's phone.
1: I think he might've felt like we felt. I mean, listen, I'm going to be honest with you guys. And some people might not like this. This guy might be smarter than we think. He really might be. He seems like he planned this out. If he parked this car at that distance when you can see on the map goes all the way has a premeditated path to get out of the woods without being seen. You know, there was some planning. There was some planning that, that was means done. This wasn't and I hate his to admit time, it. Though. Probably. It could be possible. I mean, could it be connected to other murders in the area or are there attempted murders or other attempted sexual assaults? Absolutely. And I'm I'm hoping they're looking into that. I'm sure they are, but It does seem like this guy put a little bit more, he wasn't just at the trail that day going for his normal walk and had this urge that suddenly came over him that he'd been trying to suppress for years. This guy went there with this intention and that's proven by the amount of clothing he was wearing that didn't suit the temperature and also having that knife on him ready to go. To carry out this, you know, this act, he was ready I read for it. something.
0: And I just looked it up because I couldn't remember where I read it from. But uh, the former Carroll County prosecutor Robert Ives he stated that the investigators witnessed at least three signatures left by the killer, along with a lot of other unusual evidence. And then the article goes on to say a signature is often left by serial killers who have developed over time mm-hmm. a specific method of assaulting, murdering, or posing a victim. So they they never really say what these signatures are, what this unusual evidence is, but apparently they have enough to kind of make this statement that these are signatures and and this is a a possible serial killer, which is terrifying because that means it's not his first time and it won't be his last either.
1: And and I'm sure behind the scenes they're comparing those signatures to past murders that were solved and unsolved um, to see if there's or even even not only past but also future murders that happened after their deaths after Abby and Libby's death where he could have continued this trait.
0: So it's just giving me like West Memphis three vibes though. Like the, the way that somebody just came in out of nowhere, West Memphis was a small town. These kids often played in these woods. There weren't a lot of strangers wandering about. And then all of a sudden these three young boys are dead and nobody knows even to this day who did it.
1: Yeah. I I personally, I think it is someone who's familiar with the area. They may be a reclusive, per- again, not a profiler. They may be someone who's a reclusive person, um, someone who obviously has some serious mental issues, who doesn't go out of the house much, um, but when they do, they have a purpose. And I, I, the way this is laid out, I just don't see how it could be some random person driving down 300 that would choose this location because, again from the parking lot, you wouldn't be able to see your victims. You would have to say, oh, that's a cool lot. Let me go look at that one and then hop out. And then, yeah, maybe they saw it and decided to come back. And that's why they did it because they knew they were going to be moving on to another location. Completely possible. Um, but this would appear to be someone who was familiar, not only with the trail, but the um, the things around the trail, like the cemetery, like, you know, Mary Gerard's natural uh, nature reserve, the seat the be the sea, the abandoned, D- cps building this is something where either this person's not from the area and they did a lot of research and reconnaissance or they just knew the area and they knew from past experience maybe as a kid or whatever how they could get through the woods and get to the cemetery without being seen
0: yeah i agree just because they're familiar with the area doesn't mean they live in the area
1: right 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 they could have put some research into it they could have what do you think about all that as far as i mean as far as the knife the creek and as far as you know going out maybe not coming in going out the same way they came in i do i haven't heard yeah, that, agree with at that length. especially
0: given where he was parked right it would yes if that's yeah, his car I'll, if that's his car
1: but even if it's not his car even if he's parked somewhere else that we haven't yeah, identified, i can't imagine why he would
0: park right there if he's gonna do this yeah so he definitely parked someplace further down and then he knew once he crossed that creek he wouldn't have to go back and take the normal route and, and risk getting spotted. He could just make his way through because, like you said, there's trails that go all the way down there. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I disagree with you on one point, which I do think that there's more audio and video that the police have that they just haven't released.
1: So what would be the reason and why? Because I don't.
0: I-, I don't know. See, I wrote down a question for you. Do you think they should be releasing more from the video? What's the reason why? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it could. They could be saying things, but that's another reason why I don't think Abby and Libby knew their killer. Because if this dude had walked up and they were recording it, they would have said, Hey, Mr. Johnson, or what are you doing here, Barry? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I don't think they knew. John
0: Douglas, sorry, but
1: can't. I don't think there was much conversation. I I personally think they haven't released more video because, again, I think in the grand scheme of the video, this guy was like in a corner, you know, and he wasn't the focus of the video. I know people want to believe that Libby picked up on it and started recording because of this guy, I think she was recording to memorialize this occasion that Abby was doing an amazing job walking across this bridge and conquering her fear. And I think the video just happened to capture their killer. And I think when it did finally capture the killer, he was only 10, 20 feet away from Abby, walking at a fast pace, immediately walked behind her, and walked over to Libby, who wasn't far from Abby, and that's where you hear guys get down the hill. If there is more audio, that's the video portion of it. If there is more audio, I don't see a rational reason if it's not something that's going to just crush the family why you wouldn't release it if it gives us a better because the more data you have about how this man speaks, maybe one certain word you hear, if you know this person triggers something.
0: They've kind of said though that that they have more, you know.
1: Did they? I mean, then they should re- I mean, I, there's got to be a reason why they're not releasing it. There has to be because they want to solve this case as bad as we do and there's got to be a reason and I would even go on a limb and say a justifiable reason why they're not releasing those certain words it's either out of respect for the family there's something in it that if there is anything else they're not they're choosing not so, to so w-
0: what i'm wondering is do you think that if if he was doing what you say following them since the trailhead it's possible that they noticed him fo- cuz like you said there's it's a pretty long way from the trailhead to the bridge it's very possible that they could have figured out he was like there behind them on their way through the woods on the trail going towards the bridge. And, you know, they're just like, whatever. And then as they're on the bridge and they see him again, now they're like, all right, this guy's here again, like still. And maybe that's why she pulled her phone out. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Yeah. It's really hard to tell.
1: They were they were stopping a bunch, too. They were stopping a bunch. Like we were saying about the platforms, it looks like from what I was seeing online, I think it was even Gray Hughes was one of the things where Libby had stopped on one of the previous platforms to take that photo that yeah. we all know mm-hmm. of Abby. And in that photo and and Gray Hughes, I think it was him that disputed this. You know, some people believe you can see bridge guy off in the distance. He's disputed that I said, no, it's just a, it's just a weird looking yeah. tree. So in that shot, there's no I believe bridge it's around guy. two yeah. o'clock, no bridge there's guy. no bridge guy. So he was moving and in conjunction with him coming out of nowhere, they kept stopping to take he photos. waited until he so definitely
0: waited at the entrance to the yes. bridge until they got basically almost all the way over the bridge and there was no turning
1: back. And here's the other thing: there's other trails there. Who's to say he wasn't following on a parallel trail in the woods? Where as soon as they got on the bridge, he popped out. Like maybe he wasn't walking right in plain sight. Maybe he's walking in the you know the edge of the woods off that trail. As soon as they're on the bridge and there's no turning back, all of a sudden there goes from being no one in the picture to here's bridge guy halfway across the bridge. <sighs> yeah, this was planned. Was this was planned, definitely yeah. planned. It wasn't like he saw them and they just all happened to be there. And he said, this is my chance. This was something where the minute they got out of their car, they were there's targets. Also
0: people that theorize he has got some sort of like fanny pack on in the picture. And that's where he's. Yeah. yeah that's I, saw right. and I mean, it kind of looked like if you're, if you're a bridge guy, it would be on his right hip. Sort of.
1: Listen, we could yeah. talk about this video. For probably four or five hours. There was even something where I started, my mind started to play tricks on me where one hand, you know, I guess it's reversed, like one hand is in a pocket, the other hand is not. So is that other hand under his jacket and that's where he's right. holding the gun right. or knife at that point? Like, I mean, you could speculate all day long and the image will start to play tricks on you.
0: Yeah, if you look at it long enough, it definitely does. Yeah, I can see now looking at him. That, that it's possible that he is younger and he does look more like second picture, which is actually the first picture, than than the first picture, which is actually the second picture. Yep. I can see that now. I can see the younger features. Um, I just I think he was definitely trying to appear to be older, though. The way he walked, the way he dressed, the way he kind of had his shoulders hunched up like this is somebody who's trying to disguise their true mannerisms. So like you said, he may be a lot smarter than then we know and that sucks that's that's not good news not good news for for this right. case i i have a hard time right. believing at this point that we'll ever know who he is and i'm sorry to leave off on such a negative note but i don't think that we'll ever yep. figure out who he is it's just really and that's going to it's going to be hard for the families of course but also there's so many people out there now who've invested themselves in this hoping to find some answers hoping to help solve it and i just feel like it's going to be such mm. a fruitless Sort of endeavor at this point because he clearly covered his tracks pretty well.
1: Yeah, it's possible. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I hope for Kelsey's sake and for the family's sake that you're wrong and and that this person makes a mistake. uh you know, it is getting to a point where they could
0: offend again. I mean, I I think they will. Yeah, that's
1: that's the hope. I hope I hope this person makes a mistake, makes a spontaneous utterance to someone they trust. Going to happen? Spon- I don't think they're
0: going to make a spontaneous I don't think so either. Be caught in the act or. They'll yeah. leave DNA next time and you know, and, and they may right. get caught for other crimes and it never gets connected to to Delphi. That right. could possibly happen
1: too. And that's another thing, you know, DNA. We don't know exactly how much DNA is in, in this crime scene. And we have talked to some people, we're gonna leave that stuff out because we don't want to go anywhere with it. But there's a possibility that maybe newer science and technology can take whatever they do have and do something with it. We see it happening all the time. I just talked to a few weeks ago with you guys about how people are using fingerprints now to identify what you ate for lunch. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's, we never know what's going to happen with science and something that may seem invaluable today may be the smoking gun tomorrow. So my thing to the family first off, and again, I'm sure you have a lot to say is um, thank you to you to connecting us with Kelsey. Kelsey is so strong for doing this. Uh, We hope we did justice by this case covering it at length. Um, It takes a lot for her and her family to continue to go out there and retell this story because every time they do, they're reliving it. And so I did hear from you and from others that Kelsey has been getting a little bit of heat and not that it, I don't know how much weight it carries, but leave her alone, <laughs> leave her, leave her alone. Yeah. That's coming from me. Leave her, the, leave her <laughs> she's, alone. She's uh, the girl has been through enough. She's a sweetheart for some,
0: for some reason. Leave
1: her the F alone leave her the F alone. Um, and you know, I didn't see it personally, but I obviously trust you, Stephanie. And so leave her alone. She doesn't deserve it. The family doesn't deserve it. They didn't ask for this and they're doing this not for, you know, notoriety or fame. They're doing this to keep their sister and Abby's story alive. So that hopefully one day, someone who didn't know about the case now does and can help solve it. That's the reason they're doing it. No other reason than that. If you know any information from this case, and you're and and you think it might be helpful, but you're not sure. Go with your gut. Tell someone who can actually do something about it. Call the Indiana State Police. Call the FBI. Call someone. Don't keep it inside because the worst thing that happens is that it's not valuable. But let them make that decision.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you guys hanging with us um, for so long. You can actually send tips using Abby and Libby Tip at c a c o s h r f dot com, or you can call eight four 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 five nine. Five seven eight six. And if law enforcement needs more information about the tip, they'll contact the person who submitted it. So there are ways to get a hold of somebody. We really appreciate you. Obviously, like I, I already as I was researching something while we were recording this, I saw somebody posted something on Reddit and they're like, I don't think Stephanie and Derek know what they're talking about on Crime Weekly because of this, this and this. Of course, there's going to be a million things about this case that we don't know about simply because they're obscure or they've only been um you know, released on certain places in the internet or there's speculation. But we're all here in the same place. We know so little. So a lot of what we say is just our speculation and our opinion. And to be fair, we can't be wrong about that because we don't know the truth. Therefore, you don't know that we are wrong. (laughs) So we're just doing our best. I
1: think anybody could, we get a lot of comments from people about wanting to start their Mm -hmm. own podcast. And one of the number one things I can tell you is all you can do is be authentic to who you are try to be be sincere be truthful don't sensationalize and understand that you're not always going to get it right and there're going to be people that don't agree with you regardless of what okay you say and it's
0: okay to say you don't know or you don't you don't know everything and that's what we've done and i know that that's not what you guys want to hear you want us to have all the answers and i wish we did but there are just certain things we just don't know and uh it's okay to say that because it's the truth
1: absolutely and we only want what's best for the family and there are we, we don't try to say uh, we're we're the authority on anything there are other podcasts like down the hill there's Gray mm-hmm. Hughes, there's a many other people who've dedicated their lives to this particular case. We are not doing that. We're Crime Weekly. We do the best we can. We try to always vet everything we can vet in the time that we have. But we understand that there are people probably mm-hmm. on Reddit who who know more about this case than us because that's the only that case looking into. Yeah. that they're covering.
0: Which is great and super helpful. And I appreciate you guys for that, but we're not going to have as tight of a handle on it as, as those people are, unfortunately, because you know we have to absolutely have to not. keep going and keep pushing. But we appreciate you guys being here.
1: Absolutely. We hope it helped. We hope that someone got something out of this. Maybe something that we said tonight helps down the road. Either way, our thoughts are, are with Kelsey and Abby's mm-hmm. family, everybody involved with this. You know, It's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to start researching it and coming up with some of the things we came up with. And it's just a tragic story that I hope for everybody's sake this this monster is caught soon and uh has to answer for what he did and hopefully he doesn't take the coward's way out when he eventually is caught yeah
0: thank you guys so much for being here stay tuned for next week we'll have a new case coming your way and we'll see you then bye
1: take care